friends. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my corner of the internet here at Off the Bench. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, intimacy in marriage. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad that you guys are here. As always, I want to remind you that we have a wonderful Bible study that is created just for mothers and also a component for children over at Mom Strong International. You guys can check that out. Uh, at the time of this recording, we are going through the Bible talking about discernment and why the Bible says in Peter that we are to test all things. And so as you are uh, engaging in the culture and as you're watching what's happening, the shift that's happened, particularly inside the church, this is a great time to be engaged in the word of God. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. Check it out at momstronginternational.com. Also want to say thank you for everyone who has been uh, visiting the sponsors of this show. It really helps us. We're very, very grateful. Thank you guys for doing that. All right, I'm going to jump into, and I, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to finish the topic today, but I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to talk about marriage today because I'm getting a lot of questions here at the show about marriage. And I love that. I gave you guys a little bit of a uh, of a backdrop yesterday to it, but then I started looking at more and more of your questions and I'm realizing these are uh, these are very specific questions with regard to marriage. And so rather than just answer a bunch of specific questions, I'm going to do something I love to do here. And that is to do kind of a, a an abbreviated version of a talk that I give around the country called Hot Monogamy created for intimacy. And so if you're watching this on video, uh, or rather if you're if you're listening to this on uh, on the regular podcast platform, you know, Spotify or wherever, I just want to encourage you guys, you can find some of the slides for this show. I'm going to put them up on YouTube and Rumble. And so if you want to sit down with your spouse and, and listen to this together, uh, I think it'd be encouraging and hopefully a blessing for you guys. Listen, God wants your marriages to thrive. Marriage is a gift. God created marriage. The Bible says in Genesis that God created us male and female in his image, right? So we're asking all these crazy questions in the culture right now, like what is a woman? What an insane time this is. And marriage has been under attack in the culture for a long, long time. But the Bible says that God created marriage. And so the reason that you see marriage under attack is because the things of God are always under attack. We have an adversary. In fact, Paul said this to uh, to the church in Ephesians, right? He said, uh, you're not wrestling a flesh and blood enemy, right? But this is against the prince of the power of the of the air, right? This is a spiritual battle, spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And the same thing is true in your marriages. And we watch uh, pundits and, and different uh, speakers and certainly people like Oprah Winfrey who have been eroding uh, the, the, the idea of a godly marriage for a very long time. You're watching these people take center stage in the culture right now. And I'm telling you what, I've been saying this forever. I'm gonna keep saying it. God's ways bring blessing. His ways bring blessing in marriage. His ways bring bring blessing financially. They bring blessing in government. They bring blessing in, the, in uh, raising children. They bring blessing because God is your creator. And it stands to reason that the creator would know what's best for the creation. And so God talks about that in his word. And so I'm going to I'm going to just take you guys on a little bit of a of a journey with me for uh today's podcast and I'll try to uh if I can't finish it today I will come back either Monday or Tuesday and we'll jump into it again because I want to just uh to get all the way through. But I remember when Jay and I you know first got married, 
we wanted to have just a couple of kids. Well, I wanted three kids. He wanted two kids. He came from a family of just two kids. I came from a family of seven children. I could never understand why anybody would just want two kids because to me, that just seemed boring because for as uh, crazy as my family was, and I, and I do mean that, very dysfunctional, I loved having a bunch of siblings. Our house was always busy. Um, I was one of the oldest in our family. And so we were always busy. There was always something going on. And my siblings were just a joy uh, for the most part. Did we fight? Yes. But oh my goodness. And Jay and I, of course, ended up with seven children. It's a long story. I don't have time to get into it right now. But God really showed us the blessing of children. God's word says that children are a blessing. The culture has it backward. The culture will tell you that children are a burden and, you know, oh, what a, what a, you know, this, uh, what a terrible thing, you know, children. But God says that children are a blessing and we want to uh, embrace what God says. But of course, with that blessing of children comes responsibility. It comes uh, the pressures of raising children. And right now, especially, you know, uh, our economy is in a free fall. Things are much more expensive than they have been in the past. Uh, the country is probably very likely heading into a recession. We see all the markers are there. What does that do? That increases stress in marriage. It just does. But the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of um, continuing to nurture your marriage because God wants you to experience intimacy in your marriage. So we have to understand what intimacy is. Intimacy is something personal and private. It's a deep understanding of another person. And, And in fact, God wants you to be best friends with your spouse. He wants that person that you're married to to be the person that you can't wait to see first thing in the morning. I told you guys yesterday that Jay likes to bring me a cup of coffee and uh, and it's just our, our chance to get to know each other, to sort of reconnect. It's so important. But what I've seen happen in the church, this is certainly happening in homeschool families. I see it happen in marriages that sort of drift apart. We do something I like to call parallel living. I've been teaching on this for a long time, years, in fact, around the country. I've written a book. Uh, and so you guys can actually get more information on this topic and go deeper into it by checking out my book, uh, The Busy Homeschool Mom's Guide to Romance. I know you guys will enjoy it. Um, but I talk about a concept called parallel living. Now, we know what two parallel lines do, right? They they never touch. These two parallel lines, uh, They without a degree of separation in between them, they go on the same distance apart for from the place that they began uh, into in, into eternity, right? Into infinity. The point of two parallel lines is that they never they never intersect, they never cross. And I notice this happens a lot in marriages. I certainly have seen it happen in the homeschool community, which is why I started talking about it. And so I made sort of a, a, a picture, I guess, if you will, of what I think parallel living looks like because we have different roles inside of marriage. And so I'm gonna talk about those roles for just a moment, not to stereotype you because I realize that these can sort of, uh, they're not the same in every marriage, but sort of a general uh, a general role that a male and a female might take, a husband and a wife might take in their marriages. So generally his lane is the provider. He might be the guy who's you know doing the research on the cars or making sure that they're maintained, that kind of thing. Maybe he's the guy that helps with uh, making sure that the bills are paid and takes care of the finances. He's probably generally the one who's going to work and the mom is generally the one who's staying home. Again, nobody get mad. Don't send me an email about how that's not you. I'm not gonna read it. I understand <laughs> that this is not always the case. And certainly there have been seasons in my life that my husband and I don't fit into those categories very neatly either because obviously I am a working mom. But I think for the most part, you know, the women are the nurturers. We're the ones who are cooking. We're the ones who are uh, making sure that the kids are getting their their schooling done, their education. He does work typically outside the home. 
women are typically inside the home. And that's okay, but this is what I mean about parallel living. The problem is, you know, when you're in your lane and your your spouse is in uh, her lane, then what you see are these two lines and they very rarely cross. And one degree of separation eventually makes a really big difference. Eventually, you're going to start off with uh, lines that maybe these parallel lines are really close and it's really easy to go from one side of the street to the other. But eventually you put that little tiny bit of separation in between those parallel lines and you got a big problem on your hands. And so that is the, that is the danger of parallel living. And I wrote about this uh, quite a bit uh, because of a conversation I had with my sister-in-law. You can read about that in the Busy Homeschool Mom's Guide to Romance. But I want to encourage you to move away from uh, what I would call parallel living and instead embrace something called, I like to call entwined living. The Bible says in, in the book of Ecclesiastes that a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So let's talk about what that looks like for just a moment. So rather than these two lines that run parallel to each other, and maybe this is where that separation comes in and you're just like, man, I just, I feel like I'm not connecting. You guys know what I mean? Like, I'm just not connecting. I'm not, I'm not, um, I don't feel like I'm touching, uh, having that touchstone with my husband or with my wife that I would like to have because he kind of does his thing and I kind of do my thing. And pretty soon, maybe we had that little, that little bit of separation. And now the chasm feels too great to, uh, to bridge. And so I want you to look at, at entwined living with me for just a moment. What would that look like? Well, in the same way that two parallel lines never touch, uh, two lines that are entwined, picture like a squiggly line. So those of you who are watching this on video, on YouTube, or on Rumble, you guys can see that I've made a little bit of a diagram. So the first one shows these two squiggly lines, right? They're separate. Uh, but as they move together, Rather than uh, running uh, just parallel to each other, you move those two squiggly lines together and they create this beautiful pattern of sort of this weaving in and out. And so instead of our lives just running parallel to each other, we have multiple points along our day uh, and certainly in our, uh, in our week that we are purposely intersecting. So those lines are not parallel to each other. They run um, back and forth of a, like a beautiful tapestry. Well, if the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that a cord of three strands isn't quickly broken, you look at that first cord, which is the husband, the second cord being the wife, and third cord being this growing, breathing relationship with the one who made you. The Bible says that that cord is not quickly broken. That is the beautiful illustration of entwined living. And so everywhere that those lines might touch, because remember, they're weaving in and out back and forth in each other's lives now instead of being parallel to each other. Everywhere that those lines cross is a, a point of contact. And so what would those points of contact be? Well, the first point is always uh, sex. That's that's the number one answer that I've, and I've taught this workshop for years and years and years across the country. That's the number one answer. That's what uh, husbands especially, first thing they will say. That's what they value, that first point of contact. Well, what's the second point of contact? Maybe it's a hobby that you guys share together. Maybe it's a commitment like my husband and I have to having coffee in the morning and just making sure that that connection uh, point is there. It should be uh, praying together, you know, reading God's word together. Husbands, you need to be leading in your homes this way. You don't have to be a, a pastor. Just pull out your Bible maybe and read a, a psalm with your wife that day and just pray with her and pray for her. You guys can be praying together. This is what it looks like to build that cord of three strands that isn't quickly broken. Uh, the fact of the matter is, you guys, Satan is absolutely committed to destroying intimacy in your marriage, and he will do anything and everything to create a chasm between you 
I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about what it looks like to make sure that you maintain sexual intimacy in marriage. We'll be right back. All right. So before the break, we were talking about um, a cord of three strands, right? And so I gave the illustration of these two parallel lines and how we don't want that in our marriages. Rather, we want those lines to be fluid, kind of moving in and out as we uh, as we make sure that our lives are purposely connecting with each other. And the biggest, the number one thing that I hear as I've talked to my husband and I have been uh, teaching on this for many years out on the road, uh, we started uh, talking about uh, sex and marriage a long time ago and doing um, kind of women's workshops and he would do the men's workshops. And then one time we brought them together just to kind of hear what they would say. And I thought this was so interesting. Again, you guys, you know me, I'm not going to pull any punches. Mama, if you're listening to this in your car today and you've got a little kid with you, this might not be the podcast that you want to continue listening to with your young children. You can come back and finish it later because I want to just talk about uh, I want to talk about sex in plain language. And so I don't want anybody to be like, oh my goodness, I didn't see that coming. So there's your little warning. This is your opportunity. So let's talk about the difference between men and women. Generally speaking, again, I, I understand I'm speaking in generalities, uh, but I think it hits the, the broader target when we do that. So we sat down with a group of uh, uh, husbands and their wives and we just said, men, what is it that you're wishing or you would want uh, from a good partner sexually from your wife? What is it that you want? The very first thing they said was frequency. And of course, when they said that, the women just started laughing because that's the last thing that the women are wanting, right? And I think this is particularly true when sex becomes a chore and you start looking at it like, oh, brother, you know, my husband's going to get crabby and and now he's going to get mad at me because we haven't had sex often enough. uh, And that's going to be a frustration to him. So we're going to come back to that in just a minute. The second thing that they said was that they they wanted to be desired uh, by their wives. They wanted her to say yes, right? Um, and they wanted uh, initiation from their wives, which typically, you know, I always laugh about this because I think, you know, men, if you're initiating sex with your wife and she's saying yes, then quit complaining. I just, I just kind of feel like, you know, I heard a guy, uh, one of my, one of my uh, favorite uh, speakers on this topic a long time ago uh, said, you know, I am the initiator. And he was like, I'm happy with my role. As long as I can initiate and my wife says, absolutely, uh, then I'm not going to complain. And I thought that was excellent, excellent advice. And then husbands also want their wives to communicate with them about um, how she's feeling about uh, intimacy and about about their marriage and particularly how she's feeling about even his performance sexually. Is he he listening to you? Is he paying attention? Is he asking the right questions? Uh, So that was one thing that that husbands and wives had in common. They both wanted that communication. Then we went and asked the wives, what is it that you need in order to desire sex? So the question was different, right? So the, we asked the husbands, what do you want from sex? And then we asked the women, what do you need in order to desire sex? Because it was that, that, that main thing was the desire, right? The husbands really wanting that desire to be there uh, from their wives. The very first thing that the women said, and this is true, almost always across the board is that emotional connection. We're different people. Uh, men and women are different creatures. Uh, we're innately different. God has made us different. And that's a good thing. But notice, notice the uh, the immediate, um, the the immediate uh, conflict, if you will, when it comes to sex and marriage, because the husbands are saying, "Listen, uh, I really I need that physical connection with that frequent physical connection in order to feel connected to you emotionally," and the women are saying, "I need an emotional connection with you in order to desire sex," and so this means that there has to be a point 
um, on the part of the husband and the wife, because maybe your roles are reversed. Maybe it's the wife who feels that way in this in your marriage and the husband uh, has taken it a little bit. He wants that emotional connection, right? But either way, um, we're going to have to meet in the middle, right? We're going to have to have these conversations. The women had said repeatedly, they want to be desired. And men, the worst thing that you can do uh, to your wife is tell her, you know, I think you're overweight. I don't like you in that dress. I don't, what, what in the world haircut did you just get today? She needs to hear from you uh, that you think she's beautiful. And we heard this over and over again. That's one thing I, I love about, um, about my husband. I, I've told the story many times, you know, Jay came home from work one day and I just had had quite the day with the kids. And I, I felt like I was failing on every front. And he just said, you know, I love that messy thing you're doing with your hair. I love those yoga pants. You can wear them for another five days. I love the smell of spit up on your shirt. It turns me on. It's awesome. Well, we both knew he was lying, right? But he was trying to encourage me and it worked. And his just coming alongside me and saying, listen, even though you're a mess, you're my mess. You're a beautiful mess. And he let me know, I love you uh, just the way you are. I see the hard work that you're doing with our kids. And it made a huge difference. Uh, Women have said repeatedly that they need time to recharge. And uh, guys, you're gonna have to figure out what that looks like for her, right? Men are very easy to please uh, sexually, very easy to figure out. Women, not so much. Women need time to recharge. They need, uh, they're like a crock pot, right? And a men's like a microwave. Men are like microwaves. Uh, and I think giving that time to recharge, does your wife need a little bit of white space at the end of the day? Does she need to take a bath? Does she need to read a book? Does she need to go for a walk just to sort of clear her mind so that she has uh, more space for intimacy in marriage? Uh, women need a right perspective on their bodies. This is something that the culture has eroded in women for generations now, right? From the pinup girls of the of the 40s to what we see, you know, we went through the anorexic phase, right? In the, in the 80s for sure. And we're still, I mean, women are critiqued for their looks all the time. They need a right perspective. And as men, as husbands, you are the one, the first person that she's gonna look to for that right perspective and just uh, helping her see herself as, as, as beautiful. And, uh, and finally, the women said the same thing as the men was that they really needed that open communication just to be able to have those, those uh, be able to enter into a tender conversation and know that the other person's heart is for you, that they want to see that uh, relationship flourish. So we tend to speak two separate languages. For men, sex leads to a better emotional connection. And for women, an emotional connection leads to better sex. Uh, I have this, this great quote from a gal named Janet Zimmerman. She said, great sex is more than a physical act. When you and your partner are connected on multiple levels, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, your sex life will be even better than you could ever have imagined. And that's true because we are not just emotional beings. We are not just intellectual beings. We are not just sexual beings. We are all of those things. And so bringing those things together inside of a marriage relationship requires time and intentionality. So this is all I've got. I knew this was gonna happen. This is all I've got time for today. I'm gonna go ahead and pick this back up on Monday and then I'll move my Mailbox Monday questions to Tuesday. Um, but we'll come back and finish this because it's it's a conversation I think that's worth having. What does it create or what does it take rather to create intimacy in marriage? It takes three things and I'm gonna talk about those three things when we come back on Monday. But for the weekend, this is Friday, you guys. Take some time, uh, you know, watch a movie either. Go see Top Gun. I've heard really good things about it. Take some time this weekend and nurture your marriage. 
Uh, your marriage is more important than any other relationship that you will have outside of your relationship with the Lord. It is the most important relationship uh, on this earth, and it also yields the best reward. And so uh, take time to uh, to nurture your marriages. We'd love to hear from you here at the podcast, and you can shoot out your questions to me at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. Listen, we uh, we love you guys. And I know that they're the staff. We often talk about the questions that we get here. Many of them are personal in nature. We we often get marriage questions, questions about parenting more frequently uh, than not. And obviously, you know, we talk about all kinds of things here because everything's interesting to me and especially where we're headed as a culture. But we never want to neglect the relationships that God says are precious. And the most important relationship in your home is the marriage relationship. So if you want to have great sex, nurture your marriage. You guys, don't forget, I've written a book about this and you can find it by going to HeidiStJohn.com. Just click on the store. It is called The Busy Homeschool Mom's Guide to Romance. I promise you, you will be encouraged. And I'm gonna share a little bit more about that when we come back on Monday and we will talk about those three things that it takes to nurture intimacy in marriage. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's just been a delight to spend a little bit of time with you. I hope you have a fantastic day today and a wonderful couple of days. Uh, hopefully you get getting to relax with your family and I will see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. <laughs>